Hello and welcome to the IT Governance Podcast for Friday the 22nd of July 2022. I'm recording this on the hottest day of the year so far, so my apologies if you can hear my fan whirring in the background. Later on, Cami will be talking to the cybersecurity consultant and author Gary Hibbard about the art of cybersecurity. But first, here's the news. Ransomware attacks have continued to proliferate in recent years, but the scale of the threat appears to have been increasing at an unusually high rate this year. According to WatchGuard Technology's most recent internet security report, published at the end of last month, there were more ransomware attacks in Q1 2022 than in the whole of 2021. Although it's understandable that stricken organizations want to regain access to their systems and data as quickly as possible to minimize the damage caused by an attack, there's no doubt that paying ransoms is the worst way to do this. By giving their attackers what they want, organizations only encourage them to carry out further attacks. Far better to prepare for the worst, implement security controls to repel attacks, train staff to recognize phishing emails, back up critical data, and implement robust incident response plans. In light of the ongoing threat of ransomware to organisations in the UK, the National Cyber Security Centre and the Information Commissioner's Office have issued a joint letter to the Law Society reminding the legal profession not to advise their clients to pay up if they fall victim to ransomware attacks. In recent months, the letter says, we've seen an increase in the number of ransomware attacks and ransom amounts being paid, and we're aware that legal advisors are often retained to advise clients who've fallen victim to ransomware on how to respond and whether to pay. It's been suggested to us that a belief persists that payment of a ransom may protect the stolen data and or result in a lower penalty by the ICO should it undertake an investigation. We would like to be clear that this is not the case. It continues, For the avoidance of doubt, the ICO does not consider the payment of monies to criminals who have attacked a system as mitigating the risk to individuals, and this will not reduce any penalties incurred through ICO enforcement action. So, if you are unfortunate enough to have to deal with a ransomware attack and need to explain to senior management why handing over a large sum of money is a bad idea, remind them that this will probably only be the first in a series of potentially large payments that they'll have to make, and point them in the direction of the ICOs and the NCSC's ransomware advice on their respective websites. Phishing is the most common means by which criminals spread ransomware and other malware, which is why so many people and organizations rely on multifactor authentication or MFA to help protect against credential theft. It's therefore something of a concern that Microsoft's Threat Intelligence Center has revealed a large-scale Adversary in the Middle, or AITM, phishing campaign that's targeted more than 10,000 organizations since last September. In AITM phishing, the attackers use a proxy server between a target and the website the target is visiting to intercept the target's password and the session cookie that authenticates their session with the website, effectively skipping the multi-factor authentication process. Microsoft reports that it has detected multiple iterations of an AITM phishing campaign targeting Office 365 users by spoofing the Office Online authentication page using the Evil Jinx 2 phishing kit as their AITM infrastructure. In one campaign, the attacker sent phishing emails informing the recipients that they had a voice message. When the recipient opened the attached HTML file, it was loaded in the user's browser and displayed a page informing the user that the voice message was being downloaded. Victims were then taken via a redirector site that confirmed their username to a phishing site that copied the Azure Active Directory sign-in page. When the victim entered their credentials and got authenticated, they were redirected to the realoffice.com webpage while the attackers used the credentials and authentication to access the victim's account. 
They were then able to use the compromised accounts to lend legitimacy to further phishing attacks, in particular business email compromise attacks that impersonate senior executives in an attempt to conduct financial fraud or induce staff into disclosing sensitive or business information. Multi-factor authentication is of course only one of many security controls that organizations can deploy. Phishing prevention and detection controls help, as do website filtering and tools like Microsoft Safe Links and Secure DNS. However, staff awareness training is key. Learning how to recognize potential threats and understanding what to do if and when you do click on something you shouldn't have clicked on is paramount to your organization's security, especially as the number of phishing attacks is increasing. The Anti-Phishing Working Group's most recent Phishing Activity Trends report covering Q1 of 2022 found that there were more than a million reported phishing attacks in the first three months of this year, the highest number of attacks that's ever been reported in a quarter. According to the report, the industry most likely to be targeted was the financial sector, with 23.6% of all incidents in Q1 affecting organizations that provide financial services. The next most frequent targets were software-as-a-service and webmail providers, with 20.5% of incidents, and e-commerce sites and retail stores, with 14.6%. It also found that 12.5% of phishing attacks target social media sites, while cryptocurrency platforms account for 6.6% of incidents. Attacks targeting senior executives are also on the up, with the majority of attacks using BEC. In the first quarter of 2022, 82% of BEC messages were sent from free webmail accounts, the most popular being Gmail, which accounted for 60% of BEC scams. The report also found that the average sum that scammers requested in wire transfer BEC attacks in Q1 2022 was $84,512, about £71,000. This is a significant increase over the previous quarter, in which scammers requested $50,027, about £42,000 on average. So, now more than ever, it's essential to be careful what you click. Don't open suspicious email attachments, exercise extreme caution when asked to transfer funds, even if the request appears to come from senior management, and report potentially unsafe emails to your IT team. You can find out more information about phishing on our website at itgovernance.co.uk slash phishing. That was the news. Now, for many people, cybersecurity is a rather mundane undertaking with little opportunity for imagination, creativity, or individuality of expression. But for Gary Hibbard, there's an artistry to cybersecurity. Earlier, Cami caught up with him to talk about his new book, The Art of Cybersecurity, A Practical Guide to Winning the War on Cybercrime, which is published by our sister company, IT Governance Publishing. Welcome to the podcast. Um, can you start kind of by telling us a little bit about your background? So, how did you get into cybersecurity? Yeah, sure. So, um, in actual fact, uh, I, I I saw a film when I was about fourteen years old, um, <laughs> which was a long time ago now. And um, the film was um, War Games. So, this is back in the, the early nineteen eighties. Uh, and this film, for anyone who's not seen it, War Games is all about a, a young uh, hacker who almost starts World War Three because he hacks into NORAD, a military installation, and oh, thinks wow. he's playing a, a simulation, but inadvertently almost sets off nuclear weapons and all the rest of it. So it was a fascinating film. It was probably the first one that I watched at that age, uh, all about how computers can be used and uh, it had elements of social engineering, although it wasn't called that at the time. And back doors yeah. into systems so I was fascinated and um, and I just wanted to learn everything I could about computers so 
that's what I did. I learnt computer programming, so I learnt COBOL and Fortran and C and C++. Um, and, um, and I left school and went straight into working in offices and any opportunity I had to get my hands on a computer, I, I took it. And that's all I've ever done, which is worked in IT um, and and, uh, and cyber security or information security as it, it was known back then and mm. data protection, just that's all I've ever done. Yeah, just basically you've grown into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people come into cyber security, usually from an IT background. Um, and yeah, and that's definitely, you know, the journey that I took. But for me, it, as I said, when I saw that movie and, and I learned all about, you know, what a hacker was, um, I wanted to become a hacker. Um, remembering 35, 36 years ago, mm. uh, hacking didn't have any real negative connotations as such as it does in the in the press, in the modern press. You know, there wasn't really a term of white hats, hackers or black hats. Um, it was just people who enjoyed taking systems apart or uh, software apart and um, understanding how they worked, but then putting them back together again uh, in a way that benefited you rather than the person who developed the system. That's really the, the essence of what hacking is. Uh, so yeah, but you you chose to use your powers for good. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah. My my role has always been about, um, or my desire has always been about helping people and um, uh, and just helping them understand their the risks. You know, it, it, and when I worked in companies, it wasn't just about the technical aspects; it was also the, the people aspects as well. So I was always always firmly a believer in the technology was merely a vehicle that allowed people to um, uh, to use uh, to move data around. So the technology for me has always been secondary. It was the people aspect, but definitely helping people is uh, what I always wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's great to hear. And Obviously, well, you've clearly been in the industry for a little while. Um, yes. How has the perception of cybersecurity changed since you first started? Um, I think people now see uh, cybersecurity as a, and I'm going to use this phrase, a necessary evil. Um, <laughs> you know, it is people recognise they've got to do something around it. They recognise it's important. Mm. Um, I think there is a perception that still permeates, which is that it's a very technical subject and that it's quite dull and quite boring, which is um, which I find incredulous. I can't understand how anyone could say that this topic is boring and dull. But of course, when I was at school, um, I had all the nicknames, you know, I was called the geek and the nerd and, oh, you know, the yeah. prof, you know, that was my my nickname at school was prof short for professor uh, because I was quite nerdy and quite book, a bit of a bookworm so I think the perception way back when I first started was that um, it's quite niche and it's a very technical uh, topic and I think the perception now is that um, it's a little bit more open and it's just part of what we all have to understand and you know it's the new norm but, well, all, all, the, all the cool kids are doing cybersecurity now. <laughs> I think I think so. I think, it, you know, I think cybersecurity is the new rock and roll. Yeah. You know, 
it's uh, it is uh, you know and but but funnily enough interestingly enough i think when i talk to kids now about who are getting into cybersecurity um they they have some of the same motivations and they say the same things as i did way back when i first started which is it's quite cool it's you know there's not a lot of people can do what i can do with computing mm. um and uh, and certainly uh, i think that is some of the change certainly with some people you know some parts of uh, society where it is seen as being quite cool but quite but still very technical and quite nerdy and geeky um but it's still quite unknown i suppose yeah yeah ab absolutely yeah there's um there's still a lot of mystery around it and i think you know when we talk about you know some of the um perceptions around cyber security it is that again it's that it's quite dull and uh, it's quite boring um and some people just say oh it's a really technical topic I, I don't have time to learn all of these things but in actual fact you can protect yourself quite easily by taking some fairly rudimentary steps to uh, to protect yourself so it's actually become easier in some respects it's interesting like you know people kind of perceive it as boring um because it kind of leads me quite on nicely on to our next topic which is your book so your new book the art of cyber security which is not boring at all and one of the things that i found really really interesting was that in your book you say people in the industry should approach their role with the mindset of an artist mm. why why is that um because of the fact that uh you know we can all learn how to use basic tools um yeah. and you know if we if we think of what we might describe as a, um, a traditional artist or so a musician or you know a sculptor or a painter that's what most people think oh that's that's art and that's artistry yeah. but we can all pick up a, a pen we can all pick up a paintbrush and we can you know we can just doodle and we can do things um and you know by you know working on that craft you become better and you start to learn how to draw out the outside the lines. You start to um, use paper in a different way, use sound in a different way if you're a mu you know a musician and such. And what I was trying to say in the book by saying that we're all artists in cybersecurity is, if you think about it, that's what a hacker does. That's what we need to think about. You know, think differently about the problem before us. And having being willing to break outside the the uh, the lines, to draw outside the lines, to paint outside the lines, is exactly what a hacker does. They think differently. They look at a problem in a different way, and that's what a true artist does. Um, and when you think about things like risk management, which is an integral part of um, of cybersecurity and information security or data protection. Uh, we can all sit there and say you should have a risk register or you should have a you run a risk workshop mm. and yet two people will approach the same thing in two different ways and that's because one person will stick rigidly to the rules of running a risk workshop or using a risk tool and the other person will think well how do I engage with people how can I get the most out of this how can I get them interested rather than them thinking that this is Door, uh, ball, uh, it's boring and it's dull. How can I get them to actually think differently? And that's when you, you know, you start to bring the artistry into this and start being creative in your approach. And if, you know, creativity is the heart of all artists. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Um, one of the things that your book also does, it kind of explores comparison with, is it Sun Tzu? Yeah, Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu's The Art of War. Um, can you kind of give us a little bit of background behind that? So what kind of inspired that analogy with cybersecurity? Okay. The art of As war we... and cybersecurity. <laughs> okay, so um, for anyone who doesn't know who Sun Tzu is, um, so Sun Tzu was a, a military strategist and um, um, a general dating back two and a half thousand years, which sounds a bit bizarre to try and think. Well, that in a modern context, how do we? How can that apply? But essentially, the art of war. Um, also known as the art of strategy, brings together a number of principles around how to approach um, uh, war or battles, um, how to galvanize a team, how to think differently about your uh, your enemy, mm. um, who you know whoever that may be. And um, for me, I mean certainly I think most of us, although you may have never heard the the or the name, may never have come across your desk of Sun Tzu, you'll have heard some of his quotes uh, being pushed out in many different cybersecurity circles. So what, what, what's the some of his quotes? Well, uh, as a for instance, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. Okay. So if you think about that for a second, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. So what Sun Tzu is actually saying to us is you have to understand yourself, you understand your own weaknesses, your own strengths. But also you need to also understand that the uh, the enemy, who it is you're facing, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses? And if you do both of those things, then you need not fear the result of 100 battles because he's saying, well, you know where your own, your own vulnerabilities and your own uh, risks are and if you also know the strengths and weaknesses of your enemy then you can go into battle because you'll understand how to combat the enemy yeah and that's, so how the, does, that's, that's the heart of risk that's risk management he's, he's telling you to understand where your threats and vulnerabilities are so have you done a pen test have you done any vulnerability assessments have you do you know where your data sits do you know who touches it and also he's asking you to do threat modeling. He's asking you to go outside and say who potentially could bring you down? Who is your enemy? And do you understand what their their strengths and weaknesses are? And if you can do both of those things, then you're going to be a, be more successful in protecting yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I was about to just kind of say, like, how does this align with like, how does the art of war align with cybersecurity, but you've kind of just hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, and there's, and there's many other quotes in there um, that, uh, for instance, another one that um, for me resonated when I was thinking about this, and, he, and it's not just in cybersecurity, this is business in general, but he talks mm. about that um, strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory, but tactics without strategy is simply the noise before defeat. So what he's saying there is, and you see this all the time in cybersecurity uh, and in many walks of life, people just rush off to, to do something. So they rush off and say, right, we need patch management. Oh, we need to uh, install you know, malware protection. And, um, yeah, just oh, and the stuff we need that to... they've heard we need to do, but 
you know they've not actually thought of why they need to do it absolutely so now you're they're, they're the the tactics and you're just throwing money at different problems and mm. you're doing lots of activity but there's no real strategy so you ultimately your your program is going to fail whereas flip that over if you only have a strategy that says something like we will become ISO 27001 certified by the end of the year well, that's a nice strategy it's a nice thing or it's an objective but what is your strategy what are your tactics what operational steps will you take so again this is where Sun Tzu gives us uh, something quite nice to kind of go yeah actually he's right if we just have strategy um, and no tactics and no operations then it's going to be a real slow jog or journey to um, to get to where we need to be so yeah so they're, they're two of my personal favorites that apply to cyber security um, so there you are yeah so can I be quite cheeky and um, is there a favorite sort of paragraph or phrase in your own book the art of cyber security which just for our listeners you can purchase on uh, IT governance publishing um, is there a favorite like sort of phrase or part of your book that you could read to us um yes um <laughs> okay so um yeah I mean the, the book itself as you already rightly said it's broken up into two parts the first I genuinely often describe uh, the first part which talks about cybersecurity is an art form and about how important it is for us um, is um, I, I love, often say it's a love letter to our industry. So this is <laughs> this is written from me to everyone who's in cybersecurity um, as a way to almost a call to arms and a call to action to think differently. And the second part is, as you've said, is it's more around the Sun Tzu and the strategies that he talks about and how we can uh, employ them in this modern day and age so this is this is a section it's the conclusion of hmm. the first part of the book so i'll read this so <clears throat> anyone can get into cybersecurity, just like anyone can draw but the truly great cybersecurity people out there are artists they use their hands heads and hearts to create something special an artist is someone who dares to destroy rebuild and create doesn't that sound familiar doesn't it sound like the, the world of the hackers and cybersecurity exponents we come across every single day. It's worth remembering that the social engineers we all fear or venerate are simply modern interpretations of the con, the common con artists, the confidence trickster who uses their skills and powers of manipulation against us. Art is subjective, it is powerful and it has the potential to change lives. To fully protect our world, we need to recognize the artistry in what they do as well as what we do. There you go. That is brilliant. I, no, I love that. Um, and just to everyone that is listening, you can buy Gary's book, The Art of Cybersecurity at IT Governance Publishing. Um, but I think that is all that we have time for today. So Gary, it has been absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. And yeah, everyone go and buy the book. <laughs> Thank you very much. Nice talking to you. Lovely talking to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Cammy and Gary. Well, that's it for this time. As ever, you can get in touch with us either by leaving a comment on the blog or via Twitter at ITGovPod, that's my account, or at ITGovernance. We'll return in a fortnight, but until then, our archive is on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And you can find everything you need to implement and maintain cybersecurity defense in depth on our website, itgovernance.co.uk.